Hey, welcome to the Central Westland Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for downloading and thank you for listening. We hope that today you find God's Word to be encouraging, challenging, and inspiring your life today. We would love to connect with you through our Facebook page and Instagram page. All you got to do is look on Facebook or Instagram and search for Central Westland Church. Please know that we love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. Well, it is a privilege to be here this morning. I am from the big town of Denton, North Carolina. Has anyone ever been to Denton before? Next question, why? Um, I grew up, I was, grew up there, been there my whole life, um, about 25 years ago, um, in a little church in New Hope. I gave my heart to the Lord, and He has changed my heart, He's changed my mind. And I've had the privilege for the last 25 years to speak all over. Um, it's amazing, I'm blessed to, to be able to share with uh, youth groups, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, troops, uh, you know, churches, public schools, private schools, Christian schools and even done street evangelism. So I'm truly blessed to be here to share with you. Now the reason I want to tell you all of that is because when I get a chance to speak, I do not take it lightly. You know, it is, it's a very important thing. Anytime that we're able to share the Word of God, I'm going to be accountable for that before God one day. So I want to make sure that you don't just hear my opinion this morning. I'm not going to tell you what's going to make you feel good or what's going to tickle your ears, I have to give you the gospel this morning. So every time I have a chance to preach, it is my obligation to share the gospel. So this morning will be no different. So if you have your Bibles, raise your, raise your hand if you have a Bible. Please always bring your Bibles. It is church. We need to read out of the Word of God. And um, let's pray, ask God to help us, and then we'll get into the Word. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for this opportunity to speak this morning. Uh, right now, Lord, I just pray for the Holy Spirit to move in. Move in now, Lord, in our hearts and our minds. Lord, we pray for the sweet conviction of the Holy Spirit to help us this morning. I just pray for everyone here that if they're in their need of, need of a Savior this morning, that they will find you in Jesus. And Lord, we just pray that this sermon will help us. May we leave here changed today, and we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So I like to title my sermons. I'm one of those point sermon preachers. You know, I have my title, and then I have my points, and I like to stick to those points. Um, so if you have some paper or pen, please take notes. You know, for me personally, when I hear points and I write them down, they help me remember them a little better. It helps me remember what I learned. Because if you just sit here and listen to me speak for 30 minutes... You're going to hear about 5,000 words, but how many are you going to remember? So it's always a good idea to take notes, write down the scripture, and you can go back and look at it again later. Okay? Let's all turn to the book of Colossians. In my church, when you get there, you say amen. So if you have your Bible or it's on your phone, when you get to Colossians chapter 3, give me an amen when you're there. Awesome. Thank you. 
So here we go, chapter 3, verse 8, 9, and 10. But now you also put off these things, put off anger, put off wrath, put off malice, blasphemy, put off your filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not to one another, seeing that you have put off the old man and with his deeds. And now here's the next, next key phrase, and have put on the new man, which was renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created. Now look down at verse 12, 13, and 14. Again it says, put on. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against you, even as Christ forgave you, you should also do. And then above all, it says, put on charity, which is love, which is the bond of perfection. So my first point this morning, or the title of the sermon, you could hear it. There's a couple of key phrases there, put on, put off. So the title of today's message is put on, put off. You can see here that we should put off the old stuff that we used to do, and we should put on the new. Well, there's only one way to do that. You must be born again. When you're born again, you put on Jesus, you become a new person. So point one this morning is when you put on Christ, you become a new person. One of the first scriptures I learned after I got saved was 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Does anybody know that one? Therefore, if any man be in Christ... He is a what? New creature. Old things have passed away, right? Behold, all things have become new. So when you accept Christ as your Savior, you put on Christ, then Christ lives in you, and he lives throughout you. So when you encounter Christ, there should be a difference in your life. All right? I have been changed I can't physically do it myself. I can try to turn over a new leaf, but ultimately, God is the one that changes us. We cannot change ourselves. Would y'all agree with that? The Bible has a list of in Christ, that phrase, in Christ. How many times is in Christ in the Bible? I've got it written down here somewhere. Over 70 times in the New Testament, in Christ is mentioned. And almost every time, Jesus is the one speaking it. So when we put on Christ and Christ is in us, let me give you some of the examples of the in Christ listed in the Bible. We have faith in Christ. We have redemption in Christ. We have life in Christ. We have truth in Christ. We are helpers in Christ. We are babes in Christ. The Bible says our hope is in Christ. We love in Christ. We have liberty in Christ. We are one in Christ. We are created in Christ. We promise in Christ. Rejoice in Christ. We're strong in Christ. We're bold in Christ. We're new in Christ. Whew. We are the body in Christ. Do you need any more? That was only like 10 or 15. There's over 70 of those in the Bible, just in the New Testament. So remember, guys, when we're in Christ, we're new, we're changed, we're different. We're not the same. Let me give you an example. I hope, I hope this helps you. 
Imagine with me, now use your imagination with me here. We know a guy named Jim, and we know that Jim rides a motorcycle. And we heard, you and I heard, did you hear about Jim? No, what happened to Jim? Jim wrecked his motorcycle. He was doing 75 miles an hour down the highway, and he had a head-on collision with a truck, a Mack truck. And automatically we think, oh, man, he's dead. No, 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 he lived. What? Jim lived? So you're telling me Jim was going 75 miles an hour down the highway on a motorcycle, has a head-on collision with a Mack truck, and he lived? Yeah, he's in the hospital. You want to go see him? Okay, let's go. So we're on the way to the hospital. As I'm on the way to the hospital, we're trying to imagine what Jim must look like. You got a picture in your mind what Jim's going to look like when we get there? He had a head-on collision with a Mack truck at 75 miles an hour on a motorcycle. He's probably broke every bone in his body. He's probably in one of those full body casts laid up like this, eating food out of a straw. Wouldn't you gather that? So here we go. We're at the hospital. Get ready to open the door. Oh, no, Jim's in here. There's no telling what he looks like. We go in, and there's Jim just setting up, laughing, telling jokes, smiling, not a scratch on him. Not a bruise, not a broken bone. He's just smiling. And I say, Jim, I thought you were in a motorcycle wreck. Oh, yeah, I was in a wreck. 75 miles an hour, hit a Mack truck. Head on. No scratch? Nope. No broken bones? No. Not even a bruise? No. You know what I'd say? You're a liar. (laughs) You did not have a crash at 75 miles an hour, head on with a Mack truck. He's lying. There's something not true about this story. Because if he had encountered that, there would be some obvious difference in his life. You guys see my point? When we put on Christ, when Christ is in us, we're changed. We're different. How can you say that you've had an encounter with the God, the creator of the universe, and there's no change in your life? Doesn't make sense, does it? When you encounter Jesus, you put on Christ, he lives in you, there will be a change. And it's not your change, it's his change. Let's all turn to the book of Luke, chapter 18. Matthew, Mark, Luke. I'm going to give you some examples out of the word of God that people that met Jesus, and when you met Jesus in the New Testament, Everybody that met him walked away changed, walked away different. Again, it's impossible to have an encounter with Jesus, the God of the universe, and not walk away different. It's impossible. Look at Luke 18, 35 through 43. Now it came to pass that there was this, uh, he came to Jericho, and a certain blind man sat by the way begging so here we have this blind man on the side of the road, and Jesus is coming through. And hearing the multitude pass, he asked, well, hey, what's going on? And they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And the blind man, he cries out, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And they went which out, they rebuked him. They said, hey, be quiet, you know. Told him to be quiet. And he said, he cried out even more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood up and commanded him, hey, bring that man over here. And he came to him, and he asked, what will you have me to do unto you? 
And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said, receive your sight. Your faith has saved you. Now look at the next verse. I love this. And what's the next word? Immediately. How many know salvation's immediate? Immediately. He received his sight. And listen to what he said. It says he followed him. And he glorified God. And all the people, when they saw it, they gave praise unto God. You see, he had an encounter with Jesus. Jesus changed him. Not only physically did he change him, he changed him spiritually. It says this man immediately got up. This man confessed Jesus in front of everybody. He followed him. And everybody around was amazed. You guys know those people that we grew up with, that trouble. Like, man, they need to be saved. And then when they get saved, they're changed, they're different. And you're like, wow, that had to be God. Anybody know who I'm talking about? So the point one this morning is when we have put on Christ and Christ is in us, we'll be a new person. Do you guys do any testimonies here? Like, do you have a day where people just stand up and start testifying about the Lord? You ever do that? Yeah, good. Testimonies are important. You should have that. But think about some of the people throughout the Word that encountered Jesus. We had the leper who was had leprosy. Most people say, "Get away from me!" But Jesus said, "Come here," and he went to the leper. Jesus did touched him, healed him. The leper was changed physically and spiritually from that day on. Think about the woman at the well that came at the noon of day when nobody was there. And Jesus said, hey, I got to go to Samaria. I got somebody I need to meet. And he meets the woman at the well. And he tells her about the living water. Talks about how she can be saved. He says, hey, won't you go home and get your husband? And Jesus knew. He said, yeah, you've, you've had five husbands, and the one you're with now is not even your husband. That woman walked away changed. Could you imagine if the woman at the well was here this morning, and she's back there, and she stood up and testified? She'd get a little handkerchief, and she says, Whoo, I remember the day I was at the well. Could you imagine that testimony? Because you'll never forget it. You'll never forget it. Hey, I have one of those testimonies. About 25 years ago at a little church in New Hope called Calvary Gospel Church, first time I'd heard the gospel, first time I heard that I was lost. What? I didn't know I was lost. I thought I was a good person. First time I saw through the Bible that I needed to repent of my sin and turn to Jesus, first time I heard that. I was under conviction for months. I used to hold on to this pew, and I wouldn't let go. And after about six months of hearing the gospel, hearing the gospel, hearing the gospel, I finally let go of that altar. I walked down, and immediately, like the Bible says, I put on Christ, and Christ lives in me. So point one, you're a new person. Point two, when you put on Christ, you will put on a love for one another. I'll admit, I struggle with this one. Back in Colossians 3.14 there, it says, put on charity, which is put on love. When we become saved, Christ is in us, we will start loving people. 
Now, again, all through the Word, 69 times in the New Testament, love one another occurs. And every time, it's Jesus saying it. Jesus is telling us, hey, you need to love one another, you need to love one another. 69 times in the New Testament. Let me give you a list of one another's, okay? This is just a few. Jesus said, this is, this is my commandment, that you love one another. Jesus said, I have loved you, that you may love one another. He said, you may have been taught of God to love one another. If we want love one another, God dwells in us. And you should know the last one. By this, all will know that we belong to Christ if we what? Love one another. People will know that we belong to Christ if we love one another. Now, I will confess to you, I struggle with this one. You know, when I first got saved, went to that altar, got up. Now, I grew up in a home where my father has never hugged me in my life. He's never told me he loved me. That's cool. I know he does. He built me a treehouse. I know he loves me. But he never hugged me. You know, my dad's just not that type of person. He don't hug me and love me. My mom, she would, but I'd be like, get off me, mom. I don't want that, right? You know how it is. So I never really grew up in that. But the moment I got saved and I got it from that altar, all these people were hugging me. And then they, oh, they always want to shake your hand. They always, and then they look right at you. I love you. I'm like, okay. You know what I'm talking about? It was weird for me to have people hug me and tell me I love you. I'm like, how do you love me? You don't even know me. But see, that's that love that we have in Christ. When we're in Christ, we have a love for one another. I don't know you, sister, but I love you. You see? I have no problem saying that now. I love you in Christ. I love every one of you. We're brothers and sisters, the Bible says. Now, here's where I had the problem. Those people that we don't agree with. Those people that are lost. Those people that are living out in sin. Those are the ones I have trouble loving. I'm confessing my faults to you this morning. I'm pretty sure if you confessed yours, you would say the same. It's hard for me to even like people sometimes. You know what I mean? I don't like what you do. I don't like what you've become. I don't. Nope. Got to have love for them. So the big question is, okay, Lord, help me. How do I love somebody? How do I love them like you did? He told us to love them. We're supposed to love our friends. We're supposed to love our brothers and sisters. But we're also supposed to love our enemies. So, yeah, we need help this morning, don't we? Would you admit that? So let me tell you from experience, okay? I have been out on the street evangelizing, handing out tracts. My buddy preaches. He stands on a soapbox and preaches. I hand out tracts. For the last 20 years, I've been handing out tracts, and I get to interact with people one-on-one. Let me tell you about the lost people out there. They hate the church. It don't take you long at all to go out on the street, start witnessing about Jesus. People's going to say, I, don't, I hate the church. The church done me wrong. The church did this. I don't like God. I hate God. I don't like Christians. I hate the people of church. They got a problem with us. They hate us. So here's somebody that hates us, and what do we got to do? Love them. How are they going to see Christ if we don't love them? They hate us, we hate them. Hey, they don't see Christ. So we have to love them even though they hate us. 
I had an encounter with a, a homosexual up at the uh, furniture market a couple years ago. He comes right up to me. He saw me handing out tracts. He knew what I was. He said, hey, yells at me. He says, does your God love me because I love a man? Or is your God going to send me to hell? That's the first thing he asked me. Just yelled it out. Because he was expecting an argument. He was expecting a fight. He hates my God. He hates me. He says, is God going to send me to hell because I love a man? Well, I had a good comeback, y'all. Remember this one. I said, well, that's okay. I'm in love with a man, too. His name's Jesus. Let me tell you about him. And I got to share the gospel with that man. And he slowed his anger. He calmed down. He listened to what I had to say. And he went on our way. I showed him love. I showed him compassion. It, was, it wasn't easy. I had to show some restraint. I really wanted to just... No, I got to show the love of Christ. Okay? Listen to this. Mark 1.41 says... Jesus was moved with compassion. Luke 7, 13 says, Jesus saw her and he was moved with compassion. Mark 14, 14 says, when Jesus saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion. So we know that Jesus, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion. When he saw an individual, he said, when I saw her. He had compassion for her. So I'm asking, Lord, how do I have this compassion? How do I have this love like you do? You know what love is? I'm sorry, compassion is. It's sympathy and pity. See, I, I can relate to that a little more. When Jesus saw multiples, he had pity on them because he saw their sin. You know, when we have a chance to witness somebody to love them and they cuss you out and mad you should not go away mad you should go away having sympathy and pity for them that's the difference when I see someone I have no problem loving an old homeless drunk when I see someone in the ditch they're homeless they're Life's rough, you know, and he's asking for begging for money, and he's, you know, all he wants to do is just drink his problems away. I can't, I, I can't relate to that, but I can relate to him. I'm gonna say, hey man, I have pity for you, you know. I want to help you. But if that old drunk's in our house, maybe it's your husband, or maybe it's your ex-husband, or maybe it's your brother, or maybe it's your sister, one of your family members is a drunk. We have a totally different feeling towards them, don't we? I can't believe they're like that. Why are they always like that? I wish they would just change. No, we need to have the same compassion. Man, I feel sorry for you. I feel, I feel pity for you. Because if you knew what Jesus could do, like point one, he can make you a new person. He can clean you up. You see, so we got to have that compassion. we got to have actual pity for those who are in sin I told you guys it's going to be the gospel this morning point three when we put on Christ we have we should have a love for his word listen before I got saved 
I couldn't read. I, I, I still can't read good to this day. I didn't do well in school. I failed about three or four times. Had to go to summer school, all that stuff. I didn't want to read. I didn't want to study. Who wants to do that? The moment I got saved, this is the first book I've ever read from cover to cover. I've never read a book in my life except the Bible from cover to cover. When I got saved, God gave me the desire to learn and study his word. And now here I am preaching it, which is crazy to think about if you knew me before. Everybody go to John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John 14, 15. Very simple phrase here. Underline it. If, it's, if you haven't got it underlined in your Bible, you need to underline this, memorize this. Simple, listen. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Jesus said, hey, if you put on Christ and Christ lives in us, we will have no problem keeping his commandments. I want to obey his word. I want to. You know, that's proof that we're saved. That's proof that we're different. That's proof that we're born again. Hey, did you guys know how many uh, Old Testament laws there are? Anybody know? You can yell it out. There's 613 Old Testament laws. 613. How many of you kept McKenna? <laughs> 613. There's no way we can keep that. And then uh, Moses come around. He, God gave him 10. 10 commandments. Number one, have no other gods before me. Number two, don't bow to any graven image, no idols. Number three, don't say the Lord's name in vain. Number four, remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. Number five, honor your father and mother. Number six, do not murder. Number seven, do not commit adultery. Number eight, do not steal. Number nine, do not lie. Number ten, do not covet. There's the Ten Commandments. Can you keep them? If you say yes, you just broke number nine because you're a liar. <laughs> you see, we can't. We can't keep them. Then Jesus came around the New Testament. He only gave us two. Love the Lord God with all your heart and all your heart. Soul and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, guess what? I can't even keep them. So, 613 Old Testament laws. Summed up to 10, summed up to 2, and we still have a problem obeying it. All right? So, I don't want you to look at... A lot of people do this. They look at the Bible as just a big list of rules and things that I have to do. Don't look at it that way. You should look at it as a list and rules that will keep you out of trouble. There's a reason we have laws. If everybody just ran around 150 miles an hour, a bunch of people would be dead. That law is there actually to protect you, whether you like it or not. Well, God's law, God's word, hey, he knows what's good for us. He knows what's best for us. So don't look at the Bible as just a list of things I have to do. You know what, guys? I don't, I don't want to obey the word because I have to. I want to obey the word of God because of what he's done for me. I want to obey. Now, do I fail? Absolutely. But if we fail, it's okay. Repent. Get back on track with God. When you put on Christ, you will have a love for his word. If you don't have a love and desire to read this word, 
I'm going to ask you, have you put on Christ? Is he in you? Because if he is, you will want to read this word and study it, and you'll want to live by it. Point four, write it down. When you put on Christ, oh, this is a big one, you will make a difference in this world. You will make a difference. When you're in Christ and he's in you, you will impact this world. You will have fruit. Raise your hand if your grandmother was a Christian. Look at all of those hands. Raise your hand if your mother is a Christian. Looky there. Raise your hand if you think that makes you a Christian. No. We can't get to heaven on our grandma's coattails, right? But think about it. My grandmother made a difference. The reason I'm here today is my grandmother prayed. My grandmother was the only one saved. And every time we go to her house, she'd be reading that Bible and she'd be praying. Next thing you know, my mom gets saved. Next thing you know, my brother gets saved. Next thing you know, I get saved. Next thing my dad gets saved. Next time, grandpa gets saved. My grandpa got saved at 88 years old. Guess who led him to the Lord? My grandmother. Two weeks later, she died. She went on to heaven because she knew her job was done. Woo, they left a difference, man. They, they made an impact in this world. I am where I'm at right now because of those people. See, you're going to make a difference in this world when you're in Christ and he's in you. Now, when I tell you this story, please don't think I'm bragging. I'm just telling you the facts here. This is um, bragging on Jesus. Right after I got saved, I was a, a year old in the Lord. I was a young man. I needed a job. I found a job here in Ashboro at a welding shop. Now, I didn't know how to weld. They had to teach me how to weld. Well, when I got there, I don't know if anybody knows what kind of people work in a welding shop, but, you know, it could be a rough crowd. They like to cuss. They like to tell their jokes. They like to talk about women. It was all men. And it wasn't long at all. Just a few weeks, they said, this guy's different. And they'd question me, why are you different? I noticed you don't cuss. I told them I was a Christian. I said, I don't do that. Because I noticed when we tell the jokes, you don't really laugh and listen. No, I'm a Christian. I don't do that. So here I am, the only Christian in this place. I want to tell you, I made a difference. Not me. Christ in me did. 